Your boredom is over, but we're just getting started here on Mo Show's Recap. Hello, everybody. I'm Josh Wiggler, joined here by my frequent collaborator, Antonio Mazzaro. What up? What's going on, Antonio? Yo, how are you, Josh? I'm doing well. I'm doing really well. I'm very, very pumped up. Uh, Let's bring in uh, the governor proxy of Post Show Recaps, Rob Sesternino. Yes, I am a fellow collaborator. No, you're the one we answer to. <laughs> no, I don't think so. You're the, you're the guy in charge. We give you our oranges. Geronimo Rob. Geronimo. Geronimo. How's it going? It's going well. How are you? Uh, very good. Hanging in there. Doing well. Doing okay. Why just hanging in there? <laughs> because I have uh, kids that don't let me sleep. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If one of them gets taken to the uh, Santa Monica green zone, uh, that, uh-huh. uh, you know, that might uh, at least we would sleep more to the factory. Yeah, I would yeah. sleep in a big ice cooler at this point. <laughs> <laughs> who who would you want to cozy up next to of the, if your choice was Antonio and I in that cooler? That's a Sophie's choice, Josh. Don't yeah. ask him to don't yeah. ask him to pick. No, yeah. I want to know. I need to know. <sighs> well, I think that Josh is going to want to cuddle more. He's a hugger. I am. But a- Antonio, I feel like would be warmer. Yep. Yeah. I got more body heat. I was just so, going to say that. So it yeah. sounds like I'm out. I'm screwed. Yeah. <laughs> I'm in trouble. All right. Say hi to my kids for me if you can. <laughs> I will. Please do. All right, guys. We have a, a lot, a lot, a lot on the agenda. I'm really pumped up for this week. We're talking about Colony, the new USA show that premiered this week. We're talking about some other stuff, too, because some news has happened today. We are recording this on Friday, January 15th. Some news that's very near and dear to my heart. I know to Rob's heart as well. And Antonio is probably interested, has some hot takes of his own. We'll just we'll set it up now. 24 is coming back. This is a big deal. Yeah. Yeah, it is. This is a big deal. This is a big deal to me. Well, and I, I'm I want to know how big a deal because it's coming back without Jack Bauer. It's coming back. It's coming back without Jack Bauer. We'll dive into all of that toward the end of the show. We promised a colony show first, so let's get to that. But I'm just really excited that that's something that I'm going to breeze through the colony stuff as much as possible because I mostly just want to talk about Jack Bauer <laughs> and, really, and really the lack thereof. Yeah, the lack thereof, the lack of Jack Bauer, uh, the lack of President Heller, potentially. Uh, all those guys seem to be on the bench. But we'll, we'll get into all of that. Let's talk Colony first. Uh, lots to get into with Colony. Let's, let's start by talking kind of spoiler-free, just talking sort of vaguely about this new show. And Antonio, let me toss it over to you to, to set up what this show is about for people who haven't tuned into Colony yet and what they might be getting into if they start watching this show. Sure, and this is kind of a spoiler-free sort of setup here. I'll try not to delve too deeply into the events of the first episode, even though we are going to do that shortly. But the overview is there appears to have been some sort of invasion. There's a lot of talk about invaders. We don't really see them. Uh, we see technology and some interesting things that aren't necessarily what we're used to in society. Namely, there's a giant wall, uh, not made of ice, mind you, but a giant wall built around what... We don't know that. It doesn't appear to be made of ice. It It appears to be made of metal of some sort. There's ice within the wall in a cooler somewhere. There is indeed some ice involved. And there's some fire. So we have a world of ice and fire uh, in play here. But no, there is a wall built around parts of Los Angeles. And Rob, I'd love to hear your take on the Canadian LA or uh, the (laughs) version of Los Angeles that we get here. Because as if traffic wasn't bad enough in Los Angeles, now we have a wall built around large parts of it. See, I thought this was a future in which Donald Trump was the president and that wall actually was the beginning of the wall to Mexico. (laughs) He's our 
he's our very gracious host. Yes. It, it's, yeah. it's entirely possible. But unfortunately, yeah. after the arrival of whoever it was, be it Donald Trump or aliens <laughs> or both, um, Donald Trump might be an alien. We don't know. There, uh, there was this cordoning off that happened. And unfortunately, uh, families are sort of living outside and separated from other members of their families. Because of this wall, uh, there's a lot of the politics that are in play with that. There's a lot of the, you know, Berlin and things like that that come into play, at least metaphorically. But there's also this this group of people who appear to be uh, in cahoots with whoever whoever put this wall in play. And they're sort of policing their fellow citizens. And it's a very dark kind of thing. There's no cars on the roads, really, only military vehicles. And it's not entirely clear from the jump. Uh, exactly what precipitated this event, uh, what the possibilities are to undo it, uh, or or really how broad-reaching it is. But that's sort of the, the realm that we're placed into when we start this show. Yeah, and within the context of that are some, some faces that are familiar to people who have watched a couple of shows. If you're a Walking Dead fan, if you're a Lost fan, the main players in the mix here should definitely be recognizable to you. Uh, Antonio, what can you tell us about the family at the heart of the show? You've got, you've got Josh Holloway playing the father of the family, uh, Josh Holloway, of course, playing who played Sawyer on on Lost, and he's being very Josh Holloway, being very kind of darkness, a little bad boy with a soft side. Uh, he's clearly carrying around something with him. Uh, we find out that one of the family's sons has been separated after the arrival, so they're an incomplete family. Uh, and then his wife is played by Josh. How do you say her last name? Sarah Wayne. Callies. Callies, who played, <laughs> who was very famously, uh, partially, uh, I don't want to spoil too much, but she played a big part on uh, The Walking Dead uh, as Lori Grimes. So uh, we have Lori Grimes and Sawyer here as a married couple uh, who seem to be at odds a little bit, and there's a lot of tension between them that seems to be related to their missing son. Uh, their life seems normal at the beginning of the show. We very quickly find that they're living in a very kind of non-normal world where there's a barter economy and where things are very difficult. So um, it's really kind of a fascinating kind of little bit of world building, starting at the very small level with the family uh, and then expanding to the world beyond them through their eyes that we see on the show. Uh, Rob, are you shipping Sawyer and Lori? Is this good for you? Isn't it weird? Because it doesn't feel like that. Well, yeah. we get Lori, she's cheating on Rick, but what else yeah. is new and then you expect that uh, you know Sawyer isn't with Kate he's not with Juliet that he's with Lori it is sort of a weird couple to see together it's bizarre it's definitely a, it's it takes a little while if you're re- if you're like really entrenched in Lost and Walking Dead fandom or if you've watched all of those episodes for me it definitely was a head trip to see those two together yeah. yeah Sawyer was kind of all over the place throughout Lost so it's not surprising that he can't necessarily pick a woman Right, he's just tossing down the Mac wherever he can. Yeah, that's yeah. his game. Yeah, that's 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 how he rolls. But yeah, but you know, it's it's Josh Holloway. It's very recognizably Josh Holloway. He's got the Southern accent. He's got his shirt off at multiple points in this in this episode because it's got to be in his contract. Probably not of his choice, but anyone who's going to lock him into a show is like shirt. It's coming off at some point <laughs> as early as possible. We're going to write in a scene where you are shirtless and your hair is going to be exactly the same forever. Yeah. Uh, but personality wise, it's very different. Yeah. I do get frustrated with the Josh Holloway look because I feel like because it we is, can't have it. Well, I can't have it, but I feel like it looks like there it was a lot of work that went into making it look like there's no work that goes into it. Like, I feel like that Josh Holloway's hair is always perfectly flat ironed. He always has the perfect like one 
one day of stubble. Like he never has two days of stubble or zero days of stubble. It's always exactly, you know, no matter what sort of like dystopian situation he finds himself in, <laughs> he always still has the same perfect Josh Holloway look. Yeah. How does he do it? Like, how does he just have that exact amount of stubble always? <laughs> it's amazing. It's hard, it, it's hard to be Josh Holloway. It's really hard. It's hard. It's a hard gig. Yeah. It's like Hollywood Hogan. <laughs> Holloway okay. yeah. wait till you start wait till his stubble starts being drawn on in jet black oh man yeah I don't know I'm uh, listen as you guys know I can only do the neared the neared is the best that my face can can grow in terms of facial hair so I'm very jealous of whatever he's putting down it looks great maybe he can only do the the one day stubble that maybe that's his version of the neared he could do the one day stubble that sounds good I would do the one day stubble that sounds fun uh, but yeah he's a, he's in the mix we've got Laurie from The Walking Dead in the mix Sarah Wayne Cowies those are the two main characters uh, their kids are are involved one of the children is missing uh, went missing in whatever arrival took place that predates the show and the show seems to be very much interested in having these characters figure out where that kid is while also reconciling that with some of the bigger picture stuff with uh with these visitors who we don't know if they're are they aliens or are they something else rob do you have a hot take on this so far <laughs> well can we just go back to the kids for a second because you know god forbid we ever had a new serialized drama that would come on where a married couple doesn't have a 15 and 13 year old boy and girl kid that uh-huh. will <laughs> have a bunch of plot lines that we won't care about yeah it's i'm not feeling it yet not feeling it yet with uh i i like that one of them's name is bram <laughs> bram bowman sure it's a good name gracie bowman is sure, the other. Racy. yeah uh i like bram bram bowman but in terms of what you were asking about who is the who, who has colonized los angeles i mean i think it's a, a little frustrating at this point because we don't get a lot of answers i mean i'm assuming it's aliens that it looks like that there seems to be some extraterrestrial stuff going on, but we don't get a, a even a shot or a hint of who exactly has colonized Los Angeles. Right. And I, I wonder if this is a strength or a weakness on the show's part. And I'd love to get your take on that. If you think that it's it's good that we don't know these details yet, or is it frustrating that these are details that the show seems to want to make us work for? For me, it's good. Uh, and I'll tell you, part of the reason that it's good for me, and we had a comment from Laura Maria Olson, who uh, has commented a lot on a lot of the shows that we cover here on Post Show Recaps. And she kind of pointed out the similarities to Falling Skies, the TNT show, which is very clearly an alien invasion show. And you've got a group of survivors kind of plotting the resistance to the alien invasion. And that is a sort of a tried and true thing that we've seen. In some ways, this reminded me a little bit more of like a Red Dawn kind of premise uh, where there were clearly invaders, but we didn't really know the true nature of them uh, or what their purpose was. Uh, and that the real drama, in fact, and the real kind of story comes from the way that people relate to each other, uh, whether it's a resistance that's forming against people who are working with uh, the invaders, uh, you know, just sympathizers, or I forget what the, what you know what the term the show uses? I can't remember. Collaborators. 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 Yes, people who are <laughs> collaborating with these people. So I do think that that is interesting because a lot of the shows that we see in this similar vein aren't really focusing on the human versus human drama as the kind of core of it. And that is certainly at least where this pilot episode luxuriates uh, in placing kind of the characters, especially the Peter Jacobson role with the proxy, uh, that that sort of proxy relationship where you've got human people as representatives uh, collaborating with the invaders, I think is fascinating. And I think that that can give us some drama that 
can play in other things that are familiar, but aren't necessarily kind of the familiar notes from these alien invasion dramas. And for that reason, I'm happy that we don't have that. We don't have to worry about how bad the effects look on the aliens or uh, whether that's going to be something that's a point of debate like it was with the show V. Um, I, I really I, I'm, I'm happy that we didn't get into too much of the aliens in this first episode, but I can absolutely see where others might be frustrated. I don't know, Rob, were you on one side or the other on this debate? Yeah, I am very much in the counterpoint of what you're saying, Antonio. And I don't even need to see the aliens, but I very much hate it when a show feels like that. They Oh, we've got all the time in the world to sort of drag this out. We've got 10 episodes. We don't need to get into the story so quickly. We don't need to set anything up. We'll talk. We'll set that up. Episode five, episode six. And you know what? I think that's a little overly cocky on the part of the show because the audience might not be around. Why not just get out of the gate and at least give us the clear premise of what's going on here in this world, even if we don't need to see the aliens. You know, I'm a big believer, you know, in sort of like you don't need to see the shark for it to be scary. And I'm not saying that we needed to have the aliens come out and interact with them, but I felt like we needed a little bit more of setting up what exactly is going on in this world and not the, okay, well, maybe next week we'll find out exactly what's going on. The robo-drones aren't doing it for you. I mean, we're seeing, obviously, like there's some, there's some strange tech that's going on here. We see this gigantic 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 walls that suggest something very very impossibly powerful has come into our normal world we see these robot drones that are flying all over the streets this is very clearly it's recognizably los angeles but it's a los angeles that has been very recognizably taken over by something strange that's not enough for you for me i feel like that it's fine if this was a netflix show and i can then go right into the next episode but for now i have to wait a week to get back into this. So I feel like that it, there is, I think, a thing that the showrunners need to be remembering. What is the distribution for this? Because if it is, like with Man in the High Castle, I didn't mind as much not getting everything in the first episode because I could go right into episode two, three, four, five. But for this show where it's going to air weekly, I think you needed to do more to sort of set up this world and not have me sort of like now have to sit around for a week to come back to this. Yeah, it's fascinating to me because a lot of people aren't going to watch this week to week and a lot of the viewers are going to catch this up in a binge or in some other way. And so their experience is going to be very different than the experience you're talking about, which I think is valid. But I'm not sure who at any rate, I'm not sure who network television providers even are making shows for anymore, especially cable networks. Uh, I don't know if they're making a show that they're as concerned about week to week uh, as they are creating a property that can help build up their digital online library that they can create their own streaming service with. So, I, I mean, I agree, I, but I don't know that that's what they're after. I am curious for both of you. Uh, if it turns out that this isn't an aliens thing, that there's some sort of Shyamalan level like twist uh, and there isn't an alien in play and that it is something else. Uh, is that going to be something where holding off on showing it is going to be paid off? Or is that something that it is not even worth discussing because that would just ruin the show completely? Well, I feel like that if it did turn out, so, okay, hey, oh, it's mole people. Mole people came up from <laughs> the volcanoes and they took over the world. You know, I feel like that, 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 okay, then that would be a reason to not explain, talk about how, like, there was an alien, you know, Independence Day type event which came and then aliens took over the world. I mean, I feel like that we just are missing that sort of historical context of what was the big event that changed everything. Sort of like on The Leftovers when everybody is talking 
talking about, you know, the day that people disappeared and that really affected people or, you know, nobody's really talking about it in the in the past tense. People have just like completely all are just now living in the present and we had no sort of setup on how that goes. So if it does turn out to not be aliens and they're just misdirecting us on the aliens, then I can say that there was a good reason to do it. But if it is some sort of alien invasion, I don't know why it was necessary to sort of like hide or obfuscate that whole invasion of the planet from us and how that went down. Yeah, right. I, I will say, in, in, and I agree with that, I will say that the one thing I found interesting is I could not situate the precise time of the show, whether this was set in the present, the near present, uh, you know, something in the a couple of years in the future. I don't know. And it led me to think that maybe there's a maybe this is us. Maybe we're time traveling back in the time. Uh, and we've somehow found that something that happens with humanity um, creates a, a, a world that's not sustainable, specifically in Los Angeles. So we're going to travel back in time and try to change the future by siphoning and cordoning people off and treating society this way. I mean, I it occurred to me that it wasn't necessarily definitely aliens that were in play. And that if the show was going to slow play that twist, um, if it was a good reason, if there was a good reason for that, which is what you're saying, then maybe it'll be worth it. But it is interesting to me that they are seemingly slow playing that twist. And I don't know. I mean, I don't mind it in the moment because I do like the kind of political intrigue person to person. But I, I find that it is something that I, I wonder where it will go week to week and when we're going to see aliens or whoever the invaders are. There's a lot of talk about people that we don't necessarily see directly on screen. And so it could be they could, they could really go in a lot of different directions with it. I think one of the things that's worth noting is within the world of Colony, you hear it a bunch in the premiere when you hear Josh Holloway's character talking to Proxy Snyder or, you know, other conversations that are happening that it's pretty clear, I think, that a lot of the people don't even know the answer to this question. You know, they, it, it's, a, it's very much a mystery within the universe as well. This invasion has happened. Their lives have been upended. Society has been remodeled, but they're not entirely sure by who or what. These people are constantly referred to as our hosts. You know, these people who arrived, the arrival. There's sort of these vague names for these incidents and new locations and new ideas, the factory. Um, and I think that it, it comes down to the fact that these people don't know what they're up against. They are probably wondering, could it be mole people? Is it definitely aliens? Is it some sort of time-traveling thing? So I think that as as frustrating as that is potentially for viewers, I think that that's mirroring the frustration that's happening in the universe of the show where characters like Will Bowman and Katie Bowman do not know what they're up against. And that probably very heavily weighs into their frustration and their dismay that they're feeling. Yeah, I mean, I think there's some validity to that. And I don't I don't know exactly what the show is doing. I think um, I, I, I kind of sort of uh, co-sign what Rob is saying about the week to week nature is that that is interesting to me, though. Like, it, it is interesting to me that the show is sort of making that choice to keep right. some of our lead characters in the dark, to make those things, because we as an audience are in the dark. And as, as far as it goes, the camera has pulled back on a few things, and we'll talk about that, I'm sure, in terms of their interpersonal dynamics and some twists therein. But it hasn't pulled back to show us things that the characters themselves don't experience or know uh, in terms right. of the world building. So I think that that's something 
we could get as an audience to put us in opposition to the characters, and it could make the show a lot more interesting at some point. Um, so this this show, it comes from a bunch of people. Two of the chief creative voices behind this thing are Carlton Cuse and Josh Holloway. Josh Holloway, obviously Sawyer from Lost, playing Will Bowman here, and Carlton Cuse is one of the co-showrunners of Lost. Uh, I've kind of described this when people have been asking me, what the, what's the show about? How's the show? Do you like the show? I kind of say that it's sort of there's it's sort of this kind of alchemic mixture of Lost, 24, Battlestar Galactica. Your mileage may vary on whether you like those show- shows or how well this is pulling things off from those shows. But focusing specifically on Lost, because there's a historical connection here. Rob, do you get Lost vibes from this show? Do you feel like this show is trying to do a Lost thing? Do you think Carlton Cuse and Josh Holloway are trying to imitate or replicate any of the success that they had on that show? I'd have to say that if there was a different actor playing the Josh Holloway role, I don't think I would get any sort of Lost comparison with this show. And I just feel like that Lost was probably more about this ensemble cast and really connecting emotionally uh, with this big cast. And yes, there was a mystery and there are certainly mystery elements here. But I don't feel like that the pilot of Lost, which I feel like did raise a number of questions, but also sort of like uh, set things up in a very interesting way. I I don't think that that was exactly the same. So, no, I don't think that this was a Lost vibe. I feel like that maybe the strain might be the better uh, Carlton Cuse show to compare it to. Chagoy! Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. Let's not talk about the strain, Rob. No. I want to hear what you have to say about the strain. Uh, well, I mean, I already referenced Canadian New York, so we're in play there. But, <laughs> no, I think, that that's, I think that that's fair. There has been clearly an event. Something has happened, and we have some details about it. We're thrown kind of in medias res into this existing society. The strain is is not exactly that. The strain starts with the event, and we see how how it sort of blossoms and develops. And here we're kind of thrown. It's it's almost like we jumped into Lost, like the beginning of season three, and not just the pilot, where there's a whole lot going on. And you're you're asking like, okay, so what's that person and how is society set up? And some of it is very good uh, on this show. There is a lot of good, like I mentioned earlier, the the riding of the bicycles. I think that reminded me of North Korea. And I thought that that was fascinating. There were no pedestrian cars in, in the kind of things that we were seeing. Uh, and some of it is bad. Like there's a scene uh, with uh, with the wife, with uh, with Katie, uh, and Katie is talking to somebody that she's trying to buy some supplies off of or trade some supplies from. And the lady that she's talking to is just vomiting expositional dialogue about uh, stuff that Katie would already know. Like, oh, this is the world we live in, and here's these things that are happening, and you can't do this anymore, and uh, people, they, they, the people don't want people around like that anymore. And it's very vomity, expositional, kind of what you know the show probably should take its time kind of doing. It doesn't need one character telling another when they both live in the same universe. So there are pluses and minuses with that jumping into the middle of this. Uh, that, you know, the show does good on some of it and bad on some of it, I feel. Just to point out a lost Easter egg, in that scene you're talking about, Antonio, did you notice some Patsy Cline playing? I did not, but that's a good connection to Lost for they're sure. They're playing. They're playing "Walking After Midnight," a uh, classic Kate song from Lost. Yeah, yeah that's great. Yeah. I love Patsy Cline. All right, let's let's dig into some of the some of the story specific stuff. Uh, let's. This is officially we talked broad strokes about the premise, about the sort of conflict that's at the heart of this thing. Let's talk about some of the story stuff. Um, Rob, are any of these stories, any of these characters, any of these twists and turns, is any of this especially resonating for you? Is there one story that you wanna that you wanna highlight to start with? Well, I feel like the storyline of the uh, Peter Jacobson character, the uh, proxy Snyder, 
and what's going on with him and the whole idea of people being the collaborators. I think that that was the part of the show that I was most interested in because I don't understand why everybody's not a collaborator. I don't think that the show did a good job of setting up why it's worth it to not be a collaborator. It seems like the collaborators have a lot of awesome stuff. We really weren't exposed to what is so bad about the occupiers. No Uh, cars. I guess no cars. No insulin. And no insulin. No or at bars. Least insulin not really ready and available for everybody. Like lukewarm insulin. But overall, I mean, I didn't see why it was such a bad deal to be with the collaborators. Seems like they have a lot of cool stuff, and it's not like you know we they're you know committing these atrocities. At least that we are seeing in the show. I'm not saying that it's not happening, but I feel like the show didn't do a great job of setting up why the occupiers were so evil. And I feel like that uh, I love this idea of the, uh, you know, wanting to recruit Sawyer to uh, join the collaborators. I thought that that was the most fun. And I really did like that character of uh, Proxy Snyder. I thought that he was my favorite thing about the whole show. Yeah, he's good. He sort of got a a little bit of a Ben Linus quality. Yeah, he's great. Yeah, I mean, I I completely agree that 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 character uh, is really good, kind of a little bit smarmy, a little bit smooth, uh, very much in this kind of persuasive, but not like a Christoph Waltz and Glorious Bastards kind of menace uh, where he's sort of sweet talking his way through. But he's always got these armed guards around him. So you feel like it could turn into menace at any moment if it doesn't play out well. Uh, So I really did like that. I will say I agree that we didn't see uh, how horrible the occupiers were. We saw some of their um, procedures uh, and we heard tale of some of the things that they were doing, even though I criticized kind of how it played out. Um, I, we, we do know that they're looking to weed out the infirm and the sick, uh, which is something the Nazis did uh, and not something that uh, I think is a hallmark of a good occupier. <laughs> so I think that in that regard, we know some bad things are going down. Uh, we see people we do see some rendition, uh, if you will, some black bag treatment, people being yanked off the street, thrown into a military vehicle and driven away, um, possibly to never appear again. We hear about being sent up to this quote unquote factory, but we don't really see it. We don't know. So it is a lot of ominous sort of things that we're seeing and hearing, but nothing really overt or direct uh, that are making this uh, as clear of a tough moral choice as I think the show wants us to see it as. Right. I think that menace is the word. One of you guys said menace earlier, and I think that you're seeing a lot of that. You're seeing hints of menace. You're you're seeing hints of a threat rather than seeing the actual threat itself. But when you see the look on Katie's face when she goes to visit her friend who might have some connections, we find out he's a resistance person uh, to find out what happened to will he hasn't shown up there's just this great fear that's sort of built around the the prospect of the factory that we only see a tiny tiny bit of what incarceration looks like in that world it doesn't look particularly great but you're hearing about this factory and it sounds pretty rough uh so yeah maybe we're not seeing a ton of it in this first episode but i do think that we're getting the real strong suggestion of a pretty pretty messed up world that being said I'd be pretty stoked to be working as one of the collaborators and getting, you know, my feet massaged and getting whiskey and going to that party and having that awesome view of like the rocket launch thing. How about the bacon? The bacon looks good. The bacon looks good. And does Proxy Snyder like show up to all the collaborators house to cook them bacon or does he have other proxies that do that for you? (laughs) Yeah. The proxy for the proxy. Yeah. The proxy proxy. The proxy proxy. (laughs) Yeah. 
It's like the surrogate. Yes. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't know. Yeah. Bacon and bourbon. I mean, you, I'm hooked. Obviously, I would cave yeah, at you're, moment's you're notice. In. But yeah. they don't have bourbon. No bourbon. They just have the, they just had whiskey. Yeah. Well, bourbon is a type of whiskey. So I'll, I'll, I'll we're, we're halfway there. Generic, generic. Yeah, uh, what about, um, what about this twist with, with, yeah. So it's, it's a great twist that Will is, I think it's a cool subversion too, that Will is being recruited to work for, the quote-unquote bad guys to work with the collaborators to work with the hosts to find the resistance leader um you would think that you know the traditional model of this show would be that you know sawyer from lost who's going to be your hero in this thing would be working with the resistance but the protagonist of the show is being set against that resistance and not only that sort of the classic sort of 24 type of trope of who's the mole who's working against us it turns out that it's his wife it's It's, aliens not mole people it's alien (laughs) we don't know that yet jury's still out uh but it turns out that that character that sort of double agent it turns out is his own wife and instead of working for you know something that seems like a nefarious agency she is working for the resistance which you assume is supposed to be set up to have some sort of optimism or hope unless there's some other twist that's down the way so antonio what do you think about this this setup where you've got josh holloway who is our quote-unquote hero of the show is working with the quote-unquote bad guys versus his wife unknown to him that she is against him but is quote-unquote working with the good guys do you think that this is a good setup yeah i mean i think it's pretty good i think it's interesting because there is this sort of weird dynamic between the two of them throughout the episode she clearly wants to find him she's clearly upset when he doesn't return home uh she clearly takes matters into her own hands she's comfortable with the gun she's brave she's doing things she shouldn't do so i think that the build is there that when it ultimately happens it's not like, oh, she wouldn't fit in the resistance. Like everything we've seen from her is is weak or whatever. No, we've seen her be pretty brave, pretty strong. So I think it fits. I also think it, it is very interesting because it seems to me, and I'm curious for both of your take on this, it seems to me very clear that Josh Holloway's character doesn't know this. Like he, right. this is not something that he's familiar with. And so is it, it, this going to be one of those things where it's like you – you're trying to hunt the person right under your nose and how can you be so stupid and how can you not understand that they're the person? I mean, how can we draw that out? There's a lot of potential here, I think, for the show to go awry in this regard. Um, we're not going to take Josh Holloway very seriously as this skilled hunter of men or women uh, that he's being poised to be if his wife is like in the leadership of the resistance right under his nose and he's not seeing it. That's a very delicate balance to strike. And I think it could go kind of sideways. But I think it is an interesting premise and setup, at least initially, for the show. They don't need to draw it out forever. Uh, at some point, I think relatively soon, they should have him discover it. But there should there's a little bit of drama to be played there for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Uh, Rob, do you like uh, Secret Agent Lori? Is this good? Yeah, I feel like you were definitely going to get a little bit of the uh, Mr. and Mrs. Smith thing uh, going on. I mean, I think it's a fun twist and I'm looking forward to seeing how they end up handling it and whether or not it's going to uh, have where Sawyer and Lori are now going to be on the opposite sides of this thing or where it's probably going to go where that Sawyer ends up also flipping and he's sort of like a double agent going and working with the collaborators, but just so much so that he can find the other kid that they're trying to track down and then work on taking these guys down. 
Right. Yeah. So I, th- I think we'll we'll see how that all plays out. Um, to to talk about the uh, the the binge factor, I've gotten to see a few more episodes than you guys have. I've gotten to see a few of the early episodes. What a for, jerk. for for work. I'm I'm going to be covering the show a little bit for Hollywood Reporter, and I I do think that it plays it it plays better as a binge. I'm really high on the show, and that's because I know a bit more than you guys do. And I do wonder if all I had to go on right now was this was this pilot. Uh, would it have really hooked me? I mean, we asked people, uh, we asked our listeners to chime in with their thoughts on Colony. We've got a lot of people saying, I enjoyed it. I liked it. Some people saying it didn't particularly suck me in or grab me. That's Paul Borges. Um, so maybe maybe you guys have a point where there's just maybe a little bit more that this pilot could have could have brought forth. Yeah, I mean, I just think it's interesting nowadays how, how you make a television show, knowing that it's going to be binge later. later. And I think it's, yeah. a very, I think it's a very difficult uh, premise to strike. And I think a lot of creators who have created great television uh, have not necessarily created with this in mind where you're sort of serving many masters and in and in many cases those masters are in direct opposition to each other and how do you make a show that's bingeable uh, and also works on a week to week basis that's a um, that's something i don't know that a lot of people a needle that a lot of people have threaded and i think that it's very difficult and i don't blame people if the shows are slower um, that's great let a few episodes pile up and then knock them out as long as you like the premise as long as you're in with the people that are making the show you like the tone you like the characters you like the actors or actresses then let them pile up and binge them i'm sure that it's not always good for ratings but ratings are not you know the prime determiner of, of renewal that they used to be and the show's critically acclaimed and people are liking it and engaging with it in non-traditional ways, it will get renewed. Uh, and we'll cover that in the second part of this podcast. There was one of our former most shows that got renewed this week whose ratings were poor, uh, but who was doing very well in other platforms. And so uh, I think it's just a it's just sort of transition in television. And I think it's a very difficult balance to strike for sure. Well, let's let's give it a, a final thumbs up or thumbs down. Antonio, are you going to stick with the show? I'll stick with it for sure. Although I probably will let a few episodes pile up and then watch them right in a row. Yeah. Rob, same deal. Yeah, I'm not dying to see the second episode. I feel like that I thought it was a interesting show and I'd be interested to see where it's going. And if I hear good buzz on it, I would definitely check back in. But just to speak to that point of, well, are they making are they working for the binge? Are they working for week to week? I think you have to remember the week to week, because if you are the creators of Colony and you know you have somebody who went to go see Colony and their friend asks them what was it about and they sort of say well you know I kind of don't know there's some weird stuff happening and uh, I guess we'll see where it goes next week I mean that's not the kind of thing that's gonna get a lot of buzz for the show going so this may turn out to be a fantastic season one and from what you're saying Josh it sounds like it will be but I just don't think that they got enough into that first episode to uh, really, you know, uh, get a huge buzz going into week two. Yeah, I think that that's interesting. I think in terms of, you know, that side of things, you know, maybe maybe you got to pack a little bit more into your pilot. It's definitely a show that feels really comfortable in its world and comfortable rolling things out at a pace that it wants to, you know, take its time with and really just sort of let things unfold slowly. Um, that plays really well when you can watch a big chunk of episodes in a row. It's definitely tougher in the week to week. So I think creatively for me, having seen, I've seen the first six. And of the six that I've seen, I've really enjoyed the show and I really like the story that they're telling. 
going and they're taking their characters in some very interesting directions. Um, but it, it might be hard to, to see that until you start getting into those episodes and, um, absolutely tough when, when, uh, when we're, when we're so, when it's so easy to binge watch anything right now, very hard to, to hang on to that stuff. Uh, Antonio, you, you brought this up. Let's segue into part two of the show. Uh, a show on most shows recap that we talked about several weeks ago is coming back. Which show would that be, Antonio? Would that be your favorite show of all time? <laughs> Are you talking about the show that I watched like five times? Uh, it's Scream Queens. Scream Queens is getting yeah. renewed for a second season. I don't want to spoil what happened at the end of wow. season one. There, yeah, exactly. Right. Wow. Because the ratings weren't that good. The premise is something that doesn't seem sustainable. But the, the fact of the matter is, and this kind of came out at the press tour this week, um, the head of Fox was really talking about how people engaged with the show in non-traditional ways. If you looked at over the course of 30 days after an episode aired, the ratings went up by tens and tens and tens of percents, uh, like, you know, 30, 40, 50 percent. People were watching a ton on streaming services rather than watching it live on network. And this is one of the shows that uh, was sort of representative of the new kind of non-traditional era of television that we're in. Uh, and it did really well in those regards. So they're picking it up for a second season, despite the premise seemingly not being sustainable, despite it being kind of a weird, like sort of uh, maybe it's good at Halloween, but not the rest of the year kind of show. Um, people really engage with it in non-traditional ways. Uh, and the challenge, of course, for that show is now, how do you monetize that? Like, where are you telling advertisers uh, to work it into the show? And so, you know, maybe you're going to start seeing one of the Scream Queens working at Subway. Maybe you're going to see uh, a lot terrifying. of those. Well, there's already a lot of name dropping of fashion brands. So things could happen. You know what I mean? Like, these, this is, I'm telling you, television is evolving and it, it's fascinating to see kind of how the commercials work. I mean, Rob, you do commercials on podcasts and you know, like a lot of what you're doing as a creator when you're given this copy uh, is you're kind of making it unique to your program, whether mm -hmm. you're throwing in references to what you're watching or not. And podcast audiences are mostly captive. You can skip sections uh, with certain programs, but uh, TV audiences are less captive if they're, if they're watching it on a streaming service where there are no ads or if they're watching it on Hulu where they're seeing the same ads over and over. So there are going to be fascinating things that evolve in television. Uh, and Scream Queens could be a, an interesting test case. In Scream Queens is ground zero? It might be. I mean, it's right there at ground zero with any number of uh. other shows that are developing that way. Uh, is it going to be the same characters and the same actors for season two? This is, I, I don't have any of that information. It, uh, I, like I said, I don't want to spoil it. A lot of the characters died. Um, <laughs> so uh, yeah. it, will be, it will be very interesting to see kind of what the premise for the second season of the show is. I think you have to find a way to use Emma Roberts, who uh, really obviously was a, a big character on the season. Um, whether you have to use every single one of the other people or not, it's hard to say. Ryan Murphy comes out of that American Horror Story world world where it's an anthology and and they you know have a new story every year so i wouldn't be surprised if scream queen sort of follows in that mold right. totally reboots right it could it could possibly happen for sure yeah okay so we'll see how did you like it did you like how season one ended uh <laughs> was it was it worth going back and watching it six thousand times it's probably about four or five episodes too long uh, uh -huh. i'd say they there was a lot of wheel spinning but I, it was ultimately still very entertaining and fun Cool. Uh, so let's talk about something that I'm real pumped about. This is also from the same Fox News. Uh, well, not Fox, Fox News, News, but news oh. from Fox. Although Fox News probably loved this show. Let's 24, be fair and balanced here, Josh. 24, 24, 24 coming back. 24 coming back, coming back sans Jack Bauer. 
Uh, thoughts, feelings. Rob, how are you feeling about the return of 24? Boy, Josh, I am not particularly bullish on this idea. I think it'll be fun to see, but I don't know if the 24-hour-a-day format was what people loved about 24. Yeah, you could come back with a show called Bauer before you could come back with a new show called 24 without Jack Bauer, you would think. Mm-hmm. Considering the last season of the show sort of followed the real-time format and then in like the last half hour just skipped ahead. So yeah. I don't even know. I think that maybe the real-time format is one of the most problematic things about the show. So it's sort yeah. of like we took out the part that we all loved, which was <laughs> Jack Bauer, and now are keeping in this sort of uh, you know real-time structure, which creates a lot of problems. I mean, will people come back for it? I think that definitely from a curiosity factor, but I have a very hard time believing that this will be successful. So this is so this is the scoop. If you're just hearing this now, this is what's going on. Uh, the original crew behind 24, Howard Gordon, Manny Cotto, and Evan Katz, they're coming back to bring us a new edition of 24. It's called 24 Legacy. Uh, it is without Jack Bauer. It's without any of the characters that you know and love from 24 if you were a 24 fan. It's going to center on a new character. This is the premise from Deadline.com. The new series of 24 will revolve around a military hero's return to the U.S. and the trouble that follows him back, compelling him to ask CTU for help in saving his life and stopping what potentially could be one of the largest scale terror attacks on American soil. I hear the 20-something man, Eric Carter, was conceived as an African-American and the actors considered an approach for the part so far have all been black. Depending on how the casting process goes, I hear the character's ethnicity could change, but he will remain diverse. The female lead is a woman with a long history at the agency, a former head of CTU. 24 Legacy retains the original's real-time format with split screens and complex interweaving storylines, each episode representing one hour of an eventual day. Uh, Stephen Hopkins, who directed the original 24 pilot, is on board to direct 24 Legacy. So that's the, that's what we know about it so far. Brand new characters. There's going to be a time jump involved, apparently. Uh, and I don't know. I mean, it's set in the same world as 24. A time so jump not- from the end of 24 to this new world? Yeah, I think it's from from Live Another Day where we last left Jack Bauer to 24 Legacy. There is going to be some real time that's passed. So what is it like the year 2030 at that point? I mean, we've talked about this before when you and I did 24 podcasting, Rob, that like the timeline on 24 is messed up to the point that we're like in 2050. already. (laughs) They should go back in time. Yeah. And then build a wall around parts of Los Angeles. (laughs) Yes. Yes. They should combine this with Colony. Yeah. Well, there are plenty of malls on 24. I think that they got to go, they got to go full future. I think if they, if they did like future 24, I'm in. If they want to go like hardcore sci fi real time 24 in the world that Jack Bauer used to fight in, sign me up. I'll the, give that a shot. The problem with that is in the future, there aren't 24 hours in the day anymore. I'm, How many hours are left? It's like 21 and a half. Right, because they uh, they bleached out the sun and there's less daylight. There's just there's a lot of problems. Yeah, right. I mean, I don't want to get too far into it because I'm not supposed right. to. But yeah, there are a lot of problems. There's not as many hours in the day. Yeah. I, I do think it's interesting, Rob, that you say that the format isn't really and that that we were that being. I think there's a lot of issues with the format. Let's put it that way. I think that uh, some of the seasons of 24 that really go off the rails uh, go off the rails in part to sort of be slaves to that format to kind of uphold what the show did. But I will say that when I think back to what made me fall in love with 24 to begin with, 
it was the format. It was the uniqueness of the format mainly. And it's not unique anymore. It's something that they've sort of driven into the ground. Uh, but the, the kind of multiple stories on the screen at one time, the clock ticking, knowing things were happening in real time, the urgency of that, um, that was all great when 24 season one was new. Uh, and so I'm not surprised they're trying to recapture uh, some of that without the the kind of I mean, I didn't know who Jack Bauer was when I started watching 24. And I really liked the show just because of the way it was shot, the way it was set up, uh, the way it was structured. So um, I don't know, maybe maybe there's room for this uh, and maybe there are ways to do this better. Sort of a uh, I don't know, a, a 24 awakens kind of thing. That's happening. <laughs> <laughs> good. I like that. Yeah. So maybe they just need JJ Abrams on board to reboot I, this bad boy. I think it's less a problem with real time. And it's, it's probably the big issue is with the, with the title of the show being 24, there's an expectation of 24 episodes and that's a lot to play to. And 24 live another day did 12 episodes. And I think even then there were moments where it was dragging a bit. I think that they could have really leaned into time jumps more in live another day which is what a lot of people myself included were expecting when the when the premise was announced that it was going to be 12 episodes covering a 24-hour period um i think that 24 episodes is really hard to do right now that's true Um, and i think it's especially hard to do on a show like 24 as evidenced by 24 uh you know i love this show deeply it's one of my favorite shows of all time but it really slogs in certain seasons. Um, and even in the best seasons, there are you know, mountain lions to you know, help pass the hours along. Uh, and I think that that's the real problem. I think that the real-time element, like you said, Antonio, I think it's interesting. I think it's fun. Um, I think that it, depending on what the story being told is, I think that it could really work to certain stories. It sounds like they're just jumping right into some sort of large-scale, as they say, huge, huge assault on American soil, the biggest terror attack on American soil, which they've done about a million times on 24. If they were doing something more intimate, I'd probably be a little more optimistic. But I think less the real-time format is a problem for me, and it's more the episode order. If it's a full 24-episode season, it's going to be tough. I think that that's going to be tough to, to sustain, make really good, make really compelling, and not have Jack Bauer involved. I do think that the very important piece of this is going to be the casting. I think that what made the original 24 so successful was that you had Keith for Sutherland, who people considered to be a movie star at the point in time when the show came on and that he was doing TV. It certainly made it feel cinematic in that marriage between this exciting format concept plus an actor who you did not think of as a TV actor, as a film star being the central character in this show. I think that that was uh, where the success of the show was really born out of. And so I think that you can't just have kind of a nobody or somebody without a big resume come in and expect this thing to work. What do you think about Denzel Washington? Denzel, Denzel Washington. Washington. Yes. Would Denzel <laughs> as, come as, in? <laughs> Denzel as 20-something Eric Carter. Oh, he's 20-something? All right. Well, he's a great so. actor. He can yeah. do it. For, he can do it. Forget that. I, I think you got <laughs> to get somebody. You need the modern-day African-American Keith or Sutherland to come in. Wow. That's a tall order. Who is that? Josh, is what, if we, what if we got Bokeem Woodbine in here? Oh, man, that's great. From Fargo. Bokeem Woodbine was the breakout on Fargo this year. Uh, he is playing. not somebody with a movie resume. It would be, he'd, be, he'd be good. He'd be good, but people wouldn't tune in for that. Yeah, that's true. You need a draw. Resume. Yeah. Michael B. Jordan, he's hot right now. It's too hot. Too, too hot. hot. Too, too hot. hot. You need somebody who's coming back down the mountain a little bit, but this would be a big bump for them. 
Denzel's not coming back down the mountain. He just won the big Golden Globe Award. And he had no speech. He had no speech. He, if he comes to 24, he better bring his glasses. <laughs> it's going to be, it's going to be an important detail. Uh, I think that's a good point. I think casting is, is going to be a big deal. It sounds like the, the ex-CTU head, who's the female lead of the show, that sounds like an interesting role as well. Like sign up Sigourney Weaver, get somebody Ooh. in there. That would be fun. Right, can I pitch another name? Yeah, of course. Ice Cube. Ice Cube. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Also Look, not, also not twenty five or yeah. even close to it. Yeah, also not coming down the other side of the mountain. He's, he's doing great. <laughs> Barbershop yep. three's coming out. Yeah, yeah. forget twenty five. We need. 25. Yeah, <laughs> is that what it's called? Is that the new show? Twenty five. <laughs> yeah. No, no, it's called Forget Twenty Five. <laughs> forget Twenty Five. <laughs> yeah, Jaden Smith. That's who we J- need. No, stop. We can't. We can't yeah. go there. Well, he is uh, coming so down the mountain. Yeah, I think uh, I'm so interested to find out what he has to say when he comes down. Uh, I, I think casting is going to be big. I don't know. Look, I'm, I'm a 24 nut, so I'm going to watch it. And we're going to podcast about it. It's going to be great and everyone's going to be happy unless it sucks. Uh, what if they bring back? Are there any minor characters? Like if you bring in Tony Almeida, does that is that like a peace offering for loyal 24 viewers? Like, does it have to be Jack Bauer? Does there have to be someone recognizably 24 who's brought into the mix for this? For me, I think that Chloe would be the person you'd bring in. But I got the sense that, you know, Chloe felt like that this was her swan song in 24. Live another day. Also, do you bring her back as punk Chloe or like normal Chloe? <laughs> I think you have to now evolve it, whatever the next thing is. Steampunk, steampunk. Yeah, I think yeah. if you had her in the premiere or in the pilot, I think that would at least foster some goodwill. Uh, Anton, do you have any other hot takes on on Twenty Four coming back? No, I I I'm with you guys in that. I think that I was I, just the one thing I would add. Twenty four episodes. You're right, Josh. It's very tough, but I don't think there are too many shows. Period that can sustain twenty four episodes. Exactly. I, yeah. I've been watching Arrow and Flash, both of which I love. Uh, and even even those shows, which are lots of things happening and many storylines constantly bubbling to the surface, have a hard time sustaining those those over 20 episode orders. And we're getting so, I think, uh, conditioned by the great cable dramas to expect 10 to 13 episode seasons. We're really getting conditioned to that, that I'm surprised that the, the 12 episode 24 still didn't really work uh, as well as it should have. And I'm wondering if the fact that it didn't work with 12 means that there's any way, even with Kiefer Sutherland, for a 24-episode 24 to ever work again. Well, Kiefer's busy. You guys know what Kiefer's got lined up? Are you aware of this? Some uh, community service? No. <laughs> Probably at some point <laughs> in his future. Uh, he's got a show. Let me, let me see if I can figure out what the show is. Uh, it's called Designated Survivor. Uh, oh. It's a new show. So this is really in our in our wheelhouse. Uh, Kiefer Sutherland is going to be on a show called Designated Survivor, not taking place on an island. Uh, it is it is an ABC conspiracy thriller drama in which the 24 star will play the president of the United States. Oh, uh, he graduated. So he graduated. He left Jack Bauer behind, and now he's David Palmer. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah, now he's President Heller, Rob. Yeah, I would vote for him. Yeah. Uh, he and, and the premise is in Designated Survivor, a lower level United States cabinet member is suddenly appointed president after a catastrophic attack during the State of the Union kills everybody above him in the presidential line of succession. Wasn't oh this Battlestar Galactica? Yeah, basically. So he's like uh, Kiefer Roslin. <laughs> yeah, this happens. Why the last man, Battlestar Galactica? Like, we're just, this is not something that we haven't seen. Right. <laughs> That's the premise of the show. I mean, those are like aspects of the stories that you guys just dropped. That is the thrust of Designated Survivor. 
Yeah. Oh, it doesn't even seem like he would be a good president. Isn't that more interesting to have somebody who's sort of less like like a, a lowly person who would not belong as president be that person? Yeah, it's a good point. I mean, you Kiefer Sutherland seems like a, a solid guy. I mean, I wonder, Josh, is that do you know anything? Do you know anything at all about the show beyond the title? Like, is the drama of this show going to be like? How he deals with political crises, uh, and is he is he going to be a, is it going to be a West Wing type show, right. or is it going to be about Kiefer Sutherland trying to figure out who blew up the State of the Union? The only other thing I'm I'm reading now is this is a family drama wrapped around a conspiracy thriller about an ordinary man in an extraordinary situation. I mean, mm. if he was the Secretary of Agriculture, he's not an ordinary man, yeah. but whatever. Yeah. So I don't know. We have to find out what his original position was. More like uh, Secretary of Agroculture. Oh, <laughs> yeah. What if? If they scrapped designated survivor and had Jack Bauer as the president of 24 Legacy. Hmm. And then you only have to have Kiefer Sutherland on like every other episode. Is there a world in which Jack Bauer could be elected president? I mean, if everyone knew what he really went through to save their lives, that's a pretty irresistible platform. He's got. I was just going to say that actually is somewhat interesting because it would change the public's view of CTU. They would be more public. People would know about what, what things that were going on. People would see CTU as sort of like the agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. in some ways because this hero whose exploits had been sort of uh, covered in the public sphere had been elected president. So CTU would be more admirable and seen as heroes themselves. And who knows what kind of culture that would lead to. There's a, there's a, a decent premise there. Yeah. How do you think Jack Bauer would fare in the debates uh, under some uh, tough questioning from his rivals or the moderator? I think I think he would get to the truth every time. Yeah, he. Uh, you say time. I think that would be the biggest issue for him is every candidate's use of time, the discussions of time. Uh, he would be very out of focused time. On, yeah. Yes. He's used to making split second decisions all the time. He'd be great if, they, if he was like attacked with a question that he didn't know how to answer. Give him two seconds. Besides, Chloe's in his ear, obviously, already. So is she's just, feeding him all the intel. Yeah, but is he just going to brace the moderator at some point when he doesn't like the line of questions? Yeah, but then if anyone who's like turned off by that, he'll go over to their houses and brace them too. It's not that far fetched from what we've got right now. That's <laughs> yeah. all I'll say. Uh, President Bauer, I'm into it. Josh, can I ask you one question? And maybe you know the answer, maybe you don't. Like, what yeah. was the ultimate reason to do this without Kiefer Sutherland? Was it Kiefer's quote? Was it a creative decision? I think it was Kiefer's call. I think Kiefer was done doing Jack Bauer. I think that. Uh, I think that this show it's hard to make it's it's grueling especially if you're that character and the various things that they throw at jack bauer in any season of this show there are very you know th there's the running joke of when does he have time to go to the bathroom like is there is there a bathroom break on 24 and it's funny because Kiefer is literally just running around in every single episode. There's like six episodes where he's just doing absolutely nothing. And those are the worst episodes of the show. Uh, so I think that he was understandably exhausted and tired and didn't really feel like he wants to do Jack Bauer again. He's a producer on this. So he's involved. Um, but I, I wouldn't be shocked if they bring him into it at some point, if there's some way to bring Jack Bauer in. I feel like this was the role of Kiefer's career. I think he feels very attached to the character. And I think if you could come up with the right story and if you could minimize his role, I think he'd be open to coming back. Um, but I think that even the 12 episode Live Another Day was too much work for him. It's very stunt heavy. You know, it's just action packed. It's hard. He's, you know, he's like 50 something. Will the yeah, plot um, of the new 24 be that they are have to go find Jack Bauer? I feel like that's too inside. That's like season two, right? 
That's you know, little uh, the Twenty Force yeah. Awakens. Yeah, that's the twenty. Yeah, <laughs> that's the twenty fifth hour. Yeah. Yes, there's a lot going on there for sure. Yeah. I, don't I don't know. He's Jack Bauer's been addicted to drugs. He's been electrocuted. He's been just everything that can happen to a person has happened to Jack yeah. Bauer. So I think in some respects, I can understand why Kiefer might be over it. But I think that you actually, Rob, I think that that's a really interesting idea. Like, if, if you wanted to do the 24 Awakens type of thing, does Jack Bauer have some power as a character on this show if you withhold him, but he's an element in the world and he's kind of a MacGuffin? Yeah, I mean, I think we saw that on the uh, Heroes Reborn, where there was like some question about uh, Claire Bear and what, where she and sort of like a character who's just not in the show. But you could use them as a plot device. The last thing we see with Jack Bauer is that he gets taken off to some Russian prison. You certainly could imagine a plot where they need to either rescue Jack Bauer or Jack Bauer is like a pawn in some negotiation that they're having. Right. Yeah, I think that could be cool. Antonio, do you like that? I mean, just put it another way. It's almost not feasible that you could have a CTU, that you could have the kind of thing that's happening without acknowledging him in some way. Like without, it's an elephant in a room, in other words. Like to not have Jack Bauer, you kind of have to say like, Jack Bauer's in that Russian prison. And if you want to make the whole thing about trying to get Jack Bauer out of that Russian prison, and we've seen that a little bit, you guys are talking about that. But still, I think that there is, some element that you could introduce. I mean, maybe it's as simple as just wait for a uh, designated survivor to get undesignated and not survive. Right. Uh, and then Jack Bauer or Kiefer Sutherland's free again. Uh, I don't know. I still, I'm still laughing so hard at how excited Rob got when he heard the word survivor. Was yeah. In the title. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it made good. me very happy. Oh, another thing to podcast. About. Yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> where are we going to do 24 survivor at one point, Josh? I think that it's still in the cards. I think that there's a lot of these versions of survivors. A <laughs> let's lot see of designated how Carter plays out. Yeah. Let's see, let's see how he, how he plays. Uh, anything else on, on 24? I mean, we'll, we'll be podcasting that when he comes back, obviously. Uh, how could, how could we not? Yeah. I hear you saying that Josh, but not Rob. No, I, I'm also, <laughs> talking mostly about myself and myself will be podcasting yeah. yeah yeah no date no date is that no is date. it a fall 2016 i think it'll definitely be covered on this show i'm not sure if it is going to warrant the weekly recap yeah maybe not by you by by <laughs> by me it's going to warrant you know weekly recap voicemail uh routine guest host it's gonna be great it's gonna be really good coverage here on post show recap it's gonna be Can't wait. all 24 episodes that'll be it's great gonna be great. it's gonna be really good it's gonna be my my job for a year listen i rewatched all of 24 just in anticipation of live another day if you don't think i'm crazy enough for a full-scale 24 recaps you're uh you don't know me very well i'm taking a note of this when i get the text message about you regretting this i'm gonna remember <laughs> this moment yeah. yeah mark this down this I'm is the day january 15 2016 yep. 5 11 p.m eastern time all right, let's talk about what we're doing next week. Uh, Rob, inadvertently, you already teased this up, in fact. Uh, next week, let's, there's, there's a lot of superhero shenanigans going on next week. Uh, so we're going we're gonna to round up some of the superhero stuff that's going on. Heroes Reborn is ending. Uh, it was announced this week that Heroes will not return after this. So we can, we can pick apart where, where that experiment failed. Uh, I don't think that you guys have been keeping up with Heroes Reborn, right? No. That's accurate. All right. Well, get get as much as you can. No one's expecting you guys to watch the whole thing. I've been keeping up with most of it, so I can I can report back. But we'll talk about the finale next week. We'll also talk about the premiere of Agent Carter season two. We'll talk about the debut of a new show called Legends of Tomorrow, which is a spinoff on Arrow and the Flash. And we'll have our good friend Kevin Mahadeo joining us to talk about all these things. How does that sound? 
Sounds good. Sounds, sounds good fun. to me. Uh, hashtag tw- the 20 Force Awakens was good. <laughs> that sounds good to me. I like yeah. that. All right, so let's go. Hashtag 20 Force Awakens. Follow these guys on Twitter. Rob is at Rob Sesternino. Antonio is at AC Mazzaro. I'm at Round Howard. Subscribe to what we're doing here on Post Show Recaps. PostShowRecaps.com slash iTunes. You'll never miss an episode. Uh, other than that, gentlemen, anything else? Nothing for me. All right. Yeah. Great Adi- stuff. Adios. Adios.